Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Thank you for coming back for another episode of the Mosaic Life Podcast. Or if it's your first time listening, thank you for joining us. I truly, truly appreciate it. This week, I'm speaking with an incredible human being, a new friend of mine, somebody who's exceptionally talented in what she does. Her name's Lauren Ladani, and she's a yoga instructor and mindfulness coach out of the Detroit, Michigan area. About three years ago, everything that she knew and loved was taken away from her, and she had to find the courage and the strength to begin again and realize that it's never too late to start over or to make a big change, and she is living proof of that, and I'm really excited for you to hear the conversation that she and I had. I loved this conversation. I don't have much of an opportunity to talk with people who are so dedicated to both meditation and stoicism and putting themselves first when it comes to happiness. Lauren is living proof that it's possible to go from a bad situation to an amazing one. And I really think you'll hear that in her voice throughout this conversation. Before we get started, if you find value in this podcast, if you enjoy the content the Mosaic Life podcast puts out, it would help me tremendously if you would take just a moment to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a very, very long way in helping others like yourself discover the podcast, as well as helping me bring on more and more interesting guests. So with that, thank you all so much for tuning in. Can you even say that anymore? Tuning in, I don't know, for downloading, whatever. Please welcome Lauren Ladani. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. I am thrilled to be back, and I'm really, I'm really excited about my guest because uh, she, we, the the way that she and I met uh, was was I don't know if bizarre is the right thing to say in 2020, but it was certainly not like how I meet most of my clients and uh, what seems to be friends now. So uh, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. I will, of course, let everybody know how we met. But uh, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I appreciate I'm, you inviting. I'm stoked to have you. So uh, do you want to, I mean, I, I still really don't under, fully understand how we met. I, I, I the, the, <laughs> Uh, a, a guy I, I work with uh, consistently. He follows a guy that you know, and then there was a Twitter conversation. I don't, I, I don't know. How, how did we meet? Um, well, I can give it to you from my end. Yes. I um, have recently, like you know, COVID kind of pushed me toward um, starting to develop. I teach yoga for a living full time, and um, was looking to kind of uh, branch out and do some things on my own, I think I have something specific to offer. And I knew that in order to get that done properly, I would need, you know, a functioning website. So, um, a really, really lovely friend of mine who I've known, I I met in college and have luckily maintained, um, some sort of a relationship with since, um, does like internet things for work. Right. Right. So he's, like kind of my go-to whenever I need like IT advice or, you know, he's always like giving me <laughs> feedback, we'll call it, um, like about my, my social media posts and stuff in a really loving way. So I figured he would be the person to ask. I knew for certain, mind you, I am uh, less than 
um, fluent with (laughs) technology things, generally speaking. So um, I knew that if I was going to try to get a website up and running, I was going to have to have someone help me do that. So I reached out to my friend, Andy Isaac, Andrew Isaac, to to make some suggestions to me. And he immediately suggested you, Trey. Well, that's, that's extremely kind. That's how we got yeah, that's awesome. I, 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 it's been this has been a great relationship so far. I mean, I, I really enjoyed working with you on your website. I'm learning a lot from you, especially in regard to yoga and mindfulness practices. But we're connected on Instagram, and I, I've realized that we both share a very strong love or even passion for stoicism. I com- I know. I thought that was really great that like, you know, the universe kind of happens the way it happens for it a reason. Does. I say this all the time, especially lately. I've made some pretty big transitions in my life and have had to, um, you know, kind of clear out room as far as um, there are some friendships that that just, you know, aren't moving along the same path. And I've had to kind of like let some people go. But in the meantime, have allowed in all of these super genuine, like-minded individuals, yourself included on that list. And it's just so nice the way that works out. Um, and yeah, it's been really cool to see how, how many similarities we have and how we're kind of looking to do some, some similar things for, for ourselves and for the world. So for sure. it's cool. And how, how did you get into stoicism? What, uh, what was your, I guess, your primer into, uh, that whole, uh, philosophy? Um, I was, and still kind of am, not, I wouldn't say obsessed, but I'll say obsessed with this idea, the pursuit of happiness, right? Like, what does that mean? And, um, what does that look like? And in my former relationship, my partner and I were both really intrigued by this idea and like doing a lot of reading and, um, you know, stoicism just fits right in there, which is interesting because some people don't, it outwardly might seem like dark or perhaps, you know, uh, a, a depressing view, but I completely disagree. Agreed. I think like the, the idea that we have today, you never know when our lives as we know them will end doesn't feel depressing to me. It doesn't feel like this gloomy shadow. Instead, no. it, it, it's a reminder to do everything you can for you right now. Yes. And stoicism just encapsulates that so perfectly. So I started reading Epictetus uh, and then I, you know, just that's where it started for me. I just got chills. I like this. The, the, I, I honestly think this is probably the deepest conversation I've been able to have with somebody on the topic. Just, I love it. And so actually I have a, uh, an Epictetus. I think it came from Ryan holiday or the daily stoic, but uh, it's a print. It says, how long are you going to wait before you demand the best of yourself? It's right above my there computer. It is. Yes. Yes. And you're, I mean, yeah. you're, you're right. You'd be people, I mean, right on so many levels, people can perceive being stoic as somebody who just doesn't care. They're apathetic. They're indifferent. That's, that's completely, that's false. That, that just really is. I mean, people can be apathetic. People can be, you know, can lack caring, but when you're trained, I really put a meditation and stoicism hand in hand when you're trained with those, with those with that philosophy, when you really embody it, you don't allow yourself to react to outward situations in a negative light. You're able to consider it. You're able to think about it. You're able to react appropriately or respond. You want to respond as opposed to react. And I think that's the biggest lesson I was able to take from stoicism. 
That's so well said. Respond instead of react. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's exactly it. So let's talk a, a little bit more about um, why you, you are a yoga instructor, a fantastic one at that. And so, but you also take the element of mindfulness and add, yes. add that as part of your practice, correct? 100%. And so yeah, what it's has- pretty much the, it's like the core. It's essentially the core of my practice. The mindfulness piece is essential to me. That's fantastic. And so with that meditation, I'm assuming? Yes. Take me through how you got to that point right now, becoming, you know, yeah. involved in meditation, mindfulness, and eventually uh, becoming a yogi and uh, an instructor. Um, I had been practicing yoga for, for quite some time. Um, and I actually found yoga uh, originally because, um, I came upon it looking for physical relief. So, which is, you know, pretty common for, for Western yogis, generally speaking. Um, a lot of times people will find the yoga practice, um, in search of moving their bodies. So, you know, if we're looking at yoga, the, this word like as a circle, right? Let's call it a pizza pie because okay, it's delicious. Sure. Um, the asana, which is the actual physical postures, is like just a teeny sliver of what you, of what yoga actually is. Um, but most Westerners find yoga through the yoga asana, and I was included in that, right? So I came into it um, looking to kind of heal my body. Um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is um, you know, an autoimmune disease that's pretty debilitating. The pain is pretty, um, I, I mean, I have a pretty advanced, um, form of rheumatism. Um, and I was, it was recommended to me by my rheumatologist to, to try yoga. And I was like, really, um, skeptical, which is so funny. Yeah. A little bit. Let's call it skeptical. I, I joke all the time how I have a t-shirt. I don't know if I still have it. That says F yoga, like the actual yoga. <laughs> you know, so I just thought it was like, ha ha ha. Um, and so I, I was encouraged to do that and, um, you know, walked into a class to take, um, to do, to move my body for yoga and didn't love it. Went back to a second class, had a teacher who spoke to me. Yeah. This teacher was offering, delivering, um, a mindful message. And I, I've, I've not turned back, but for me, the thing that kept me going was not the physical asana, right. but the moving meditation side, and it's been transformative in my life. That's so amazing. And I really hope that people listen to what you just said over and over again. <laughs> I really, truly, um, the, 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 the meditation side of it has become such a powerful part of, of my life, um, over the years. And, uh, you know, one thing you, you did say when it came to your instructor, you, the first time you went to, to the class, it didn't really click with you, but the second time it just, it, it transformed your life. And I was just having a conversation with Anna Bitters. She was in the last episode of the podcast and we were talking about how anything in life, whether or not it's your work environment or even hearkening back to, to college, if you don't have strong leadership or a, a strong instructor, you can have the most interesting job. You can have the most interesting field of study, but it's just not going to click with you if you don't have somebody who can lead you in that right direction. And so that's so important, especially obviously because that having that second chance or that second instructor changed your life dramatically. Uh, absolutely. hundred percent. So, it, and that's the thing too, when you start to, if you're a yoga practitioner, right? The idea is to try to find, um, 
the teacher, the the class, the whatever that resonates with you and offers you the thing that you're looking for. And for me, the thing that I was looking for and I didn't even know I needed was a mindfulness practice. And I found that through yoga. So what does your practice look like now? I mean, when you're not teaching others, when you're at home by yourself and you are just trying to connect with your, your mind, body, and soul, what does that practice look like for you? Um, it begins with either seated or laying down breath work. So um, I speak to my students often about how um, the first few minutes, depending on how long you want to like right. spend this, but the first few moments of class, the first few minutes, whatever, um, create a distinction between where you've been and where you're going. By that, I mean, regardless of what your day has been up to that point or where it's going to be after you leave your mat, there needs to be this um, like this decisive moment where you're like, I'm choosing to sit here and, and, and change my mind a bit. Right. Yeah. So the breath, the breath work does that at the beginning, you know, you take the cleansing breaths, which, you know, are symbolic and, and quite literally you breathe in. And then as you release, you're letting go of whatever it is that you've been doing and you're deciding to stay here and focus on a thing. And sometimes, you know, in, in my practice, um, I can come in with an intention yeah. or sometimes the intention will present itself to me depending on what I need. So I spend several minutes uh, of breath work um, and then I'll spend, depending on how much time I have, uh, anywhere between 15 and 60, 75 minutes of moving asana. Um, and afterwards, then I will sit. And the thing about now, like in the progression of my yoga practice, um, even the moving piece, the asana piece is meditative. Yeah. If you put yourself in that state. So, um, you know, you can get into the poses and you feel your body like release things. It's a pretty incredible, uh, sensation once you, you tap into that. Um, and then afterwards I'll, I'll sit in meditation. Um, meditation for me, interestingly, uh, has been the most challenging. It's still like hard for me to do. If I was to just be like, okay, I'm going to sit and meditate for a half hour. I will find an excuse not to do it sometime, most times. So leading with asana personally is a great insertion point to my still meditation, my sitting down or laying down meditation as well. And then that's where I'll go after I move. So from you as an instructor, we, I've had uh, numerous uh, meditation instructors. I've actually had a, a Buddhist uh, Lama on on uh, the podcast. And I, I always ask, because this is something that I continue to struggle with, 20 minutes, that's all I ask of myself, 20 minutes a day to sit down and meditate. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't make that time. Do you, and I hate asking it this way, but it's the way that's going to be most concise. Do you have a hack or a way to force yourself every day to sit down for that practice? Um, I'm working on it. I, full disclosure, I still don't have a daily meditation practice. Yeah. That is something that I can, I'm continuously working on, right? And the point is this, um, be honest with yourself about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that for me is saying to you, I still don't have a firm grasp on my meditation practice, but I do have one. It's just a constant work in progress. So my hack, the thing that works for me is just, as I said, I, I will do the yoga physical practice first. And then after I'm done, I can sit and take in all of the information that I've learned firstly in my physical body with the movement. And then things just come to me from there. 
So that's, that's the thing that seems to work for me. Um, I have friends that are like, I, they don't practice the physical asana. They're like, I'm just going to go sit in the backyard for an hour and then do seated meditation. Another thing too, for people who are a little bit more on the physical side, meditation doesn't need to be sitting still walking meditation, right? Yes. Um, oftentimes like if you need sound, cause I'm very, very stimulated by sound, like tremendously stimulated by sound. So I will put in headphones and listen to some, um, depending on what I'm in, uh, there are meditations that you can listen to where they will talk you through it. It's guided. And that's a great insertion point. Also 10 minutes. How about start with 10 minutes? Yeah. 10 minutes. That's not, you can do most things for 10 minutes. Absolutely. You know, you can wait to wash the dishes and just do a 10 minute meditation. I heard somebody recently, I don't remember who it was, um, say, I mean, start, even start with one minute. If you can do one minute, you can do two, then you can double it from there and there and there. Yeah. That's. Yeah. It doesn't have to be because a daunt, if you, if you're like 30 minutes seems like a daunting task, you're never going to do it. No. Not at all. And I, I do don't count, you know? Yeah. They still be there. Yeah. And I do want to really emphasize walking meditations. I, there was a, there was a point, uh, this past winter when I was doing them daily. And I remember either the first or second time I just, I, I left my phone in my apartment, which was one of the hardest, but most empowering things to do. And I just walked outside. I walked down, uh, I live in a, an apartment complex. that has got a quarry behind it. So I walked down to the quarry and I just stared at the lake. It was probably 35 degrees out. I stared at the lake for a good half an hour. And I remember just watching the undulations of the, of the micro little waves going over the lake. And I just remember tears coming in my eyes because I realized how beautiful it was being surrounded by all this nature and just being so happy to sit there and and just sit with my thoughts and my feelings and, and how I'm living my life, being an entrepreneur, being able to have that freedom to do so in the middle of the day. It was amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, when, it, when you talk about uh, the, uh, the uh, yoga asana and uh, the movement prior to your mindfulness and meditation practice, um, I, we have had a couple uh, people on the podcast before who have talked about animal flow. And that's not something I've ever really gotten into before. And I don't know if that's something that you're even familiar with, but in regard to meditation or in regard to yoga, yoga and movement and getting your body you know, grounded, is that something that you've ever experimented with? No, I'm not super familiar with it. Okay. And I was just curious. I obviously don't know enough to really get into conversation on it, but I just, I wanted to know if um, that was something that uh, was a part of your practice. Um, Yeah. Yoga takes so many different faces, right? So there's firstly many different, like, I guess you could call them schools of yoga, right? Different like branches. Um, Some are real familiar to us. You know, um, a lot of people know about the Bikram style and the Ashtanga style and, you know, even Iyengar and things like this. But from there, even now, there are so many different like yogis who are creating their own like style. And I would imagine that's that's one of those. Um, I'm just not super familiar with it. My whole theory is this and and it's pretty, it's a pretty polarizing idea, but, um, and I, I talk about this with my lovely yoga friends who disagree with me and it's great. But, um, my theory is whatever yoga you're doing, whatever brings you in, um, even if it's super physical, even if it's like you're doing three classes a day, cause you're trying to burn calories. I get that. But 
if in that time that you're moving your body, if for like one minute or five or 10, you get a little bit more mindful or you start to think about the world in a different way or it just transforms your thought, even for just a moment or two, um, we're all the better for it. Like, how can that be a bad thing? Right. Right. So there are lots of yoga critics out there and I get it. And, you know, I waver back and forth, but essentially if you're practicing and you get, you think about the world in a different way, or you get out of your head in a, in a different way, um, then humanity is better for it. Right. Energetically. That's such an important question. How can that be a bad thing? I mean, it, be a bad thing. taking time to sit with your, sit with yourself to, I, I, I hesitate to say, sit with your thoughts because I think a lot of people feel that's dangerous, but to just acknowledge them and to not to not judge them as good or bad, but just acknowledge what they are and that you have them just allows us to be a little bit more introspective, a little bit more self-aware. And that that is something we need right now to be able to think a little bit more critically. Amen. Yeah. So the pursuit yeah. of happiness, that that is you you said that a little bit ago, and that's I, I know that's a very big topic to unpack, but I, I, I aim to explore what that means for certain people. And so you've been through a lot in your life. And I, I guess I, I would just ask to, to see what that journey has been like for you. Um, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Um, I, I've always been, um, you know, fairly happy, I guess. Um, but uh, like a little over three years ago, I experienced some pretty severe trauma as far as like um, I was a school teacher and um, I was in a relationship with my partner for 12 years. He and I worked at the same school and, um, you know, at the exact same time, basically, I found myself um, having pretty much like lost everything I knew. So I was no longer teaching school. I no longer had my life partner and I had to start from the ground up. And when the universe kicks you off a cliff and you have nothing else to lose, uh, you realize, well, what have I got to lose? What am I doing? And it's, it, it actually, I was unfortunately, but also fortunately kind of forced to reevaluate everything that I had been doing. Mind you, I was like 36 years old, you know, and it's not the same now. And I'm not, I don't know, this generation for me feels like people aren't necessarily getting married at 28, like they were not that long ago. Right. But at 36 for me, it was a really um, scary thing to say, what I'm going to like try to find a a new job now. I'm going to break up with my boyfriend now. Like, why, what am I, what what do I think I'm going to get from this? And I did, I had to. Um, And in there I started to do some really deep like shadow work and started um, asking myself some pretty um, hard questions. A lot of it sounded like, um, are you full of shit or are you really doing good? Like things like that. And, you know, I had this yoga teaching certification that I, you know, thought that I might use one day. And then I was like, well, what if I tried to do this for real? You know, because teaching for me um, is like the quintessential piece of my, of my existence. Yeah, That sounds, 
but it's like, it's the thing that is me more than anything else. And it takes on a lot of faces. Right. But I know that's the one thing that I have never like questioned is that I am here to explain things or share information with others. And I think because it comes from a place of, I love learning so deeply. Like I am just a seeker of knowledge at my core that when I learn something or when I've received information, that's transformative to me, all I want to do is pass it on to others. And, um, I can kind of do that fairly well. You know, I can kind of relay information in in a way that's, um, digestible, I guess is the way to say it. So I thought maybe I can take that skill and, and, you know, do it in this other way and maybe be of more use to more people. Yeah. Um, And in there, I started just reading a bunch of things. You know, I read the book of joy and I have my favorite magazine. It's like this time magazine, special edition. It's called the science of happiness. Right. And right now I'm actually, I'm looking at it. It's duct taped at the binding, (laughs) you know, like I still look through it all the time. So I have these, asking people a lot of questions, you know, I'm super inquisitive and asking kind of like what you're doing with me. Talk to me about what this means for you. Like what's your, what are you doing? How are you living your happiest life? I did a lot of traveling. Um, and you know, the acknowledgement that when I was, uh, in other countries that have considerably less than most Americans do, why are they so much seeming so much more content in their lives? Right. So things like that. So I'm, I'm hearing this phrase more and more often, and um, I think uh, I, I heard it. I first heard it with Scott Hilburn. I, I know I keep name dropping people I've had in the podcast in the past, but it's just there's so many connections to these people who have really gone out on a limb to find themselves. And so I first heard this phrase with him, um, spiritual awakening. And I didn't know mm. what that meant. I, I really didn't know what it meant. I thought it was, oh, I found Jesus. Uh, which I mean, that for some people that that could be what a spiritual awakening is, but for me, it was a realization that everything that I wanted to do in my life, I'd been saying it'll happen someday. It'll happen uh, when I when I have more life experience or when I'm uh, when I've got this or that. And I never, I always thought it was just going to. I was going to wake up one morning and. All of the hard work would be in my rearview mirror. Just it would magically happen for me, and um, yeah. that's obviously not the case. And so when I realized that, I started making drastic changes in my life. And um, I, I guess now, in retrospect, that was my spiritual awakening. And and for me, what I'm hearing you say is, when you, you broke up w- with your boyfriend of 12 years, when you when you left your teaching job, which it seemed like you really loved, that was your spiritual awakening. Sure was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And so, everything about what I thought I wanted my life to look like has completely changed. What did you think you wanted your life to look like? You know, you're, you're fed these things of what, of what it should be yeah. from like generation upon generation upon generation. And it, something that I've grown to, to agree with, like even like lives before yours. Right. Yeah. So it's just like the timeline that's inserted and forced fed you, um, without your parents even knowing, but their parents gave it to them and, you know, parents gave it to them. Right. So there's this idea. And especially I come from, um, both my parents are Italian immigrants. They were both born in Italy, uh, very Roman Catholic. Right. So, uh, the idea is you 
stay at home until you get married. Then you get married and you move in with your husband and then you have a house and then you have children and that's the way life looks. And that's just correct. So I just, you know, never felt comfortable with that timeline and didn't even really realize it. But I, this is going to sound silly as well, but like, I guess I'm kind of the black sheep of my family, even before I went through this kind of big change, because, um, I moved out of my house young, went away to school, um, never moved back home. Right. Yeah. I knew pretty much right away that I was never going to get married. So even when I was with my partner, like we, I wasn't going to get married. And that was like already, uh, I was the only one in my family to have done that. And then, um, you know, I just figured I would be with this person and we would, you know, live together and, you know, travel, but it was going to be this thing with this human because that's the one I had decided on. Um, And I was going to be a school teacher and I was going to have, you know, a 401k and I was right. (laughs) The things that society tells you, that my family tells tells me, um, look, that's what success is equated to. Yeah. And that's just not at all where I am now. And I am way happier on this side. That's so incredible. Um, that really hits home when you say black sheep. And I, you know, I, I, I want to preface this by saying my parents have always been extremely supportive of, you know, whatever decisions I make, even when it was, I wanted to be an actor and a, and a model. And I, try to be with an agency that like that obviously did not work out, but they were still supportive, you know, follow your dreams and do all of that. But at the same time, you know, my dad was always a successful uh, businessman in the, in the banking industry and he's done very well for himself. I, on the other hand, you know, I started off at community college and I eventually transferred to uh, a larger, you know, campus Um, I had about five majors, I think, um, I, I switched jobs every two years for a good decade, uh, before, before eventually working for myself, which honestly, I I really credit with being one of the best decisions of my life. But at the same time, at the same time to make ends meet last year, I got a part-time job in my gym, which was great because I got a free gym membership, but there was this, there was this weird sense of shame hanging inside of me. Like, why do I need a part-time job? I'm 34 years old. What the hell is going on in my life where I need to have a part-time job? I know it's okay, but society, at least in my weird perception, thinks that as a 34-year-old, you should be making six figures and have a fancy car and a house. That's, it made me feel feel bad. Oh, I, I relate to that so hard so hard. So right after I, and my parents still, they're lovely. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. really lovely and supportive as well, but they're always still to this day. Like, so like, are you going to go back to teaching? Like right. what's going on? You know? Yeah. And after I didn't go back to teaching, um, and I was trying to make it as a yoga teacher, it's firstly, I love doing this thing, but you know, it's not, uh, the way to six figures. Let's right. just put it that way. Right. So, uh, in order to survive and pay my rent. Cause I went from having a really, I mean, I had a steady job with health insurance. Right. And I was great at it. And now I'm like getting hourly pay and struggling to pay my rent. I, I picked up a side job as a bartender. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm teaching yoga and bartending on the weekends and that thing, that shame thing, mind you, I'm 36, 37 years old. And I'm like, what the F am I doing? Yeah. Uh, and I, it took it. I, and also I was like, 
well, I can't let anyone know that I'm a bartender. The yogi going to think, right? Yeah. Like I can't. And shame is a heavy, heavy burden to bear. And I did that for a long time. I hid. Uh, I'm, I'm a terrible liar, but I didn't fully disclose information either. You know. Yeah. Um, and that sucks. It, it felt dishonest, you know. And little by little by little, I started releasing that shame, and I just completely came out from underneath that. And now I'm just like, yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure if I can pay my rent next month, but I'm really loving what I'm doing for work. And I'm going to try to make this work for me because I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. Life is today and I'm happy with where I am. And that's just kind of the way I try to continue to exist as often as I can. I love that. I love that. There, you know, it's to me when we talk about the, the American dream, you think about, you know, having a house and a wife or husband or partner or whatever, and, you know, the two and a half or three and a half or whatever the number is, children. Right. To, to me, that's always just given me anxiety. Like, why is that expected of me? I mean, that's great for some people, but I don't want to go to work at seven o'clock every morning, come home at six, feed the kids, put them in bed, and then go to bed myself. That just, to me, that monotony, it just, it always drove me I don't want to say insane, but it's, it, it was not a good feeling for me. And if, again, if that's what truly makes you happy, fantastic. But I don't want that to be expected of everybody. That's very well said, right? It shouldn't be the expectation. It should yeah. be the choice. Yeah. So I, I, I want to harp on this just a little bit more because I guarantee you there are people out there who are saying, you know, I'm comfortable. I, I, uh, this relationship I'm in is not a bad one but it's, mm -hmm. it's not something that is truly making me happy. What made you decide to end a relationship after 12 years? Uh, well, none of these things were my choice, unfortunately. Okay. Um, why I speak to them all the time, because I, I hope to encourage, um, and now I'm, you know, doing some more self-reflection things and acknowledging this, the signs, I guess you would call them yeah. of, of, like the signs the universe passes on to you or whatever you want to call it, um, to make changes. Um, you feel those stirrings and I ignored them forever. Right. Yeah. I would just attribute it to like, I probably ate something bad for dinner last night or whatever. Right. <laughs> but I, I went through, um, a really traumatic experience my last year of teaching, um, where I was pulled over for DUI. My partner was with me in the car. Yeah. Um, I tried to hide that from, from everyone because that casts a really heavy shadow over all of the successes, all of the triumphs, all of the good that I did for, did for my kids, because then I was just going to be this thing. I was going to yeah. be pigeonholed as this thing. Yeah. And it, that's exactly what happened, um, where my students at school found out like quite literally, um, got a picture of me and posted it all over social media. I didn't have social media at the time. Right. So I was pretty much like shamed at school. Um, and I knew that like, I wasn't going to be able to return to that school the following year. Yeah. And at the time, the, the burden that it had on the relationship that was already kind, I was already kind of struggling with the relationship with my partner. Truth be told, we probably should have ended things years before, right. but why would I do that? You know, why am I going to break up with someone now? It's the thing we tell ourselves. Um, and in the trauma that I was experiencing with my shame related to this incident, um, 
it just put a really heavy strain on our relationship and it ended badly. Like it ended really badly. And I was left utterly and completely alone. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I, at this point had not even told anyone about my experience. So I had no one, I had to try to get through this thing by myself. Um, and I realized that I could. When did you realize that you could? Uh, I realized that I could a, a little bit at a time, but, um, starting when I fat, when I started teaching yoga full time, yeah. um, I always, I always was super independent, but, um, and I'm kind of stubborn. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when my partner was doing that thing where he was making me feel, where I was made to feel resentful about needing rides places or, um, like I just said, you know what, I'm going to now do this completely on my own. Um, and just stopped asking for the things that I thought I needed from him and did them on my own instead. And I did, and I, and I could, um, and then we no longer needed to carry on this toxic relationship. And, uh, it's been, you know, after 12 years, you, the patterning that happens in the body and the mind, uh, are really hard to break. Right. Um, impossible, just the, the harder choice. So repositioning myself, um, at, at 37 or 36 as single and, you know, in this very young yoga teaching industry or a bartender, um, can be something that'll make you go running in the opposite direction. And I didn't. And um, taking time to like um, find a new supportive group yeah. of humans uh, was, was essential to that. Find your people. They are there and they will hold you up. And I honestly think that's that can be one of the most difficult things to do after college is finding, I mean, you can talk about finding your people, finding your tribe, but even just finding friends when you're not constantly in this atmosphere where there are like-minded individuals around you. And so how did, how did you find your people? I found most of them through yoga. I, um, so the thing about the yoga practice that I, that I love so deeply, kind of like how I said, people are coming in there for whatever their reasons are, right. but most of the time, hopefully more so than not, they're coming in there because they need a change. They're feeling like something in their lives need changing. Right. Yeah. So teaching yoga, um, I'm there now in a room full of people where lots of them are looking for the same things that I'm looking for. And you, I, I feel like forever, I've always just kind of been able to pick up on, on people's vibes. I don't know right. if that's kind of, you no, know, the word it's a very trendy <laughs> word, but yeah. um, I've been able to kind of like pick up on people's like energetic output pretty quickly ever since like as early as I can remember. Right. And I'm usually pretty spot on about it. Um, and I would just kind of ping off people's like vibrations in the room. And I was like, I need to know this person. I need to spend time with this person. And then I would. And then as it turns out, this person and I had quite a bit in common and we would formulate this great relationship, this mutually beneficial relationship. So this community that I have around me right now that I am like, that I say in my gratitude practice every morning, thank you for these humans 
like th- that's where I found them. I found them, most of them through yoga. I really like how you put emphasis on the mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship, uh, yeah. because that's, that's, that's not to be understated because I, I think, um, I guess in, re- in regard to how you were describing your previous relationship, it, I mean, it sounded like a little bit you were being, or he was gaslighting you. I mean, he was making you feel like there was not a whole lot of value in what you provide, you what and what you were providing, which is, can be dangerous and it can be, you know, incredibly damaging to our psyches. And that's having people who need you as much as you need them and providing as much value to them as they provide you is so important. It's the most important thing. And even in this now, like, it's it's not like new Lauren, old Lauren, but I did over COVID have this period where I kind of grieved my own death a little bit, right? It was a really big purging moment where I quite literally got rid of like 15 garbage bags full of like clothes. Like they were all like physical things, clothing, shoes, uh, jewelry, all the stuff that reminded me that kept me tied to who I was. Right. I, I'm still the same person, but I'm, I'm not. Um, and even in this now, um, newly found adapted Lauren, um, even still I am, um, filtering in and out people that are my people. Yeah. It's constant work. It's constant work. And I've had to let go of some people that I have recently become acquainted with for exactly this thing. I'm like, this is not a mutually beneficial friendship. This is me trying to like fix this other person. I'm like, well, what am I doing? The only person I'm in charge of is me. I feel like I see a good in this, in this, you know, person and I want to help them be the best. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and I, I've kept reevaluating those and I've had to even still release and let in release and let in it's constant absolutely absolutely and it's it. it's constant but it's worth it the work is always worth it, it is. but it's not always the easier choice and we don't live in a vacuum i mean somebody can come into your life who may be valuable to you initially but as things change as you change as they change it's natural to drift apart what is what seems unnatural is to let that happen but you have to realize that it's okay because that's that's the best thing for both of you it is and that's another thing too that i that i talk about often um me saying um we're not on the same path right now doesn't mean that i don't love you deeply it right. just means i can't maybe like hold back or or try to be what you want me to be for you yeah. because that's that's not serving either of us so it's not like a um i hate i hate i don't like you anymore kind of a thing it's more of a you do you keep doing what you're doing no problem but i'm doing this other thing feel free to like let's hopefully catch up later in life or something right paths diverge and come back together and you know the the growth path isn't a straight line, man. It's like real wiggly and like yes. zigzaggy and up and down. And, um, I just know what is right for me. Um, and if you're into it, let's, let's do this. And if not, no problem. All my love, all my light, let's catch up at a later point. Maybe yeah. if not also, I wish you all the best. Ah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, and that kind of takes me into the, one of the last things I want to talk about is, um, 
especially when you consider old Lauren, new Lauren, and how they're they, they they're the same. There's similarities, but there's certainly differences as well. And we talk about ego, and uh, we can talk about the death of the ego, which I think is kind of hyperbole. But we really, when we're able to recognize when we're motivated by our egos, and we're able to say, "Hey, listen, that's not who I want to be," and we can st- instead have that mutually beneficial relationship with our ego instead of one of us taking mm-hmm. advantage of the other. That's incredible because then you have a new level of self-awareness that far surpasses the vast majority of people out there. And it really, it really feels like a superpower, but it allows you to operate on a wavelength that not only lets you accomplish more, but it makes you feel better about yourself too. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. It's a tough path, you know, <laughs> like, um, and it's something that needs to be constantly reevaluated. Yeah? yeah. So like, um, it's, uh, it's interesting because when you feel like you're making some serious strides, right. that's when the ego effing kicks right in. They're like, yeah, yep. you're a badass doing great things. Look at that dork over there who's <laughs> not on the same path as you. Like things like that start to really come in. And you're like, it's and then judgment is heavy and yeah. judgment slides in super fast. Yeah. Um, and I see some people who are um spiritually awakening, right? Trying to do these better things for themselves and for humanity, hopefully. Um, And then are also super judgmental of everyone that's not doing it the same way as them. And I'm like, what is that about? Uh, And I think it's really funny. And I, not funny. I think it's an interesting concept. Um, And I've had this conversation with friends of mine who are kind of a little bit like that. And I'm like, you know that you're super judgmental, right? And they're like, what do you mean? You know, and it's that whole thing. Like, the minute you start to make some strides, that's when the ego starts to challenge you and question you and, and put you in check. So um, constant reevaluation. And to, to your point, to your point, you, you talked about asking yourself hard questions earlier. And one of those being, are you full of shit? That's Ask, what I was just about to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Exactly. Because if, if we can't answer that honestly, I mean, we, we, we're, we're not making progress. We need to be able to say, hey, listen, you know, what you're doing it's, you're on the right path, but this isn't the greatest thing that's ever been done. Just continue on and do you have have the self-awareness to manage your own happiness, your own well-being, and your own work, and then let others fall in with you? That's 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 the idea, right? Yeah. That's that's what we want. And all I can do is offer what I've got. That's all I've got. So I just try to speak to it as often as I can. Um, try to have really good conversations with people who are, you know, looking to maybe shed the layer of who they used to be and, you know, expand into who they are becoming. And that's all I'm trying to do. And I've got lots of work to do. You know, I see myself, I will do something while I'm doing it. I mean, why are you doing this? And I'll continue to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully making those steps forward constantly what's your, what's your focus right now i mean the, the, you know today uh in the next six months what what growth are you looking to accomplish um i'm looking to to personally i need to do some things health wise um because i do have rheumatoid arthritis um and i have really really terrible like eating habits and things like that right um, sleeping habits. Right. Um, and these are things like 
that uh, I've not done enough work towards fixing. You know, I take um, prescription medication to suppress my immune system to try to prevent um, flares from occurring because when I do get um, a rheumatic flare, it's debilitating. The pain is really, really excessive. Um, And there are things that I could do, like nutritionally speaking, um, to ease some of that. And I just like, I'm not doing them. Right. <laughs> like still eating gummy bears and, you know, s- sleeping like terribly, uh, and you know, things like that, that I should really be concentrating on. I just, you know, I'm, uh, not doing all that well in that sense, but, um, professionally I'm trying to, um, hone in on what it is that I have to offer because every single one of us is a gift and every single one of us has a skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is mine and what can I do to offer that out and perhaps um, do something good yeah. for this place while I'm here? Um, and that the thing that speaks to me the loudest is that I'm a teacher. Um, I'm a truth teller and I hope to encourage other people to speak out, to live authentically, to shed their shame. Um, and then maybe then that ripple effect. Uh, and so I developed, I'm trying to develop this, this brand, like, who am I? What can I offer physically? What can I offer? Um, you know, spiritually, uh, therapeutically, and the website that you helped me create is, is, is key to that, to that offering. I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, I guess in re- relation to, 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 to sleep and eating habits, do you mind if I make a couple of recommendations? Please. Okay. I recommend you read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Wonderful book. Oh. It'll scare the living shit out of you about not getting oh. enough sleep. Um, it's, right. it's, it's, it's really become the de facto book for, for sleeping and, and, uh, you know, how to, how to do it well. Um, and then also an aura ring, um, if you've never heard of it, it's, it's a, it's a ring that literally goes on your finger. Um, and it tracks your, oh, yeah. tracks your heart rate, tracks your sleep, tracks all of it. It's it, amazing data. It really helps you kind of optimize, you know, what you do throughout the day. And then, um, if you're interested in, in learning more about, uh, sugar and eating habits. I, I gave up sugar a few years ago and I, I won't touch it. Uh, hacking the American mind by, um, Oh shoot. I can't remember who it's called. Uh, Robert Lustig. I think it is. I'll put all of these in the show notes. Everything that we mentioned will be in the show notes, but, uh, all really good books and they will really help you optimize some of your health habits. Okay. <laughs> you sound so reluctant. Somebody who every single day is helping people get into better physical condition and you can do it. So, you know, kind of on the same trend of the things we've been speaking to, um, I'm currently um, assisting with yoga teacher training, which is one of the best uses of my skill set. And one of my mentees um, is that one of the things that you're asked to do as part of your training to become a yoga teacher is to do a karma project where you offer, you know, your time, your energy to, to some something right and one of the the trainees who's just one of the loveliest humans is she has completely transformed her life by changing her diet and she's plant-based vegan you know 100 and it's 
it's turned her health around so tremendously. So um, as part of her karma project, she is now cooking and making meals for people during COVID who can't go out and do them for themselves. And she has put me on that list of people that she's going to be cooking for. That's incredible. Is that incredible? Yes. it's kind of like asking you shall receive, right? So the yeah. fact that like she's wanting to help me transform my diet, both for my physical, mental, all of the wellness, because she thinks that I can be of better use and of better service when I'm healthy. I mean, I get emotional thinking about it, but so this is the beginning of exactly what we're saying. When you put it out there and you make space, things will just happen as they should. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to, to making those changes. And I, yeah. I really look forward to hearing how that that goes. And speaking of putting it out there and and um, making changes, you know, one question that I, I don't think I've ever asked before, but I I, I do would I, I would love for you to put it out there into the universe is, you know, what resources do you need to grow right now? So if if just somebody you know in in Utah happens to be listening to this and they say, hey, uh, this this Lauren woman sounds incredible, I want to be able to do whatever I can to help her grow, and I have the resource to do so. What what is it that uh, that you could benefit from? Um. Well, I mean, financially speaking, of course, Um, you know, yoga teaching is really lovely. Uh, It doesn't pay the bills. So I have to spread myself super thinly, which is another reason why I don't sleep very well um, to try to be able to just sustain. uh, I mean, I can I can say that, um, you know, my energetic thing is enough, but I do need to have money to survive. So, um, being able to, to develop, um, a a place where I can, or have like steady clientele or steady, um, I I don't know, like, uh, I, I really love the things that I am the best offering I have is doing teacher trainings, like helping other yoga teachers become great yoga teachers, you know, cause that just, uh, is where I am of the most use or doing yoga retreats. These are the things that, um, allow me to be the best gift. So having a place to do that, right. A retreat center or, um, a place where I can bring the yoga teachers in and we could do like a yoga teacher training. Uh, that would be something that I would love to have like here, come to this place and do your retreats here. Come to this place, do your teacher trainings here. Um, that would be amazing. And if so, so somebody says, Oh, I, I can help out with that. How, what's the best. And I'll put all this in the show notes as well. What is the best way to reach you? Um, www.laurenlivin, L-I-V-I-N yoga.com courtesy of Trey. Uh, there's that. And then my web, my, uh, email is same laurenliveinyoga.com and uh on instagram which is lauren living yoga it's pretty easy to find me fantastic well before we get wrapped up here one question i love asking because honestly this is a very selfish question for question for me because i'm a big reader and i i love i don't read books unless they're recommended to me because i there's so many on my list and so i want to know all of the most intelligent people i talk with yourself being very high up in that list what the most life-changing book they've ever read has been. And you gave me an answer and I want to, I want to know, I've never heard of this book. So I would love it if you would dig into it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, when I'm asked questions like that, 
I try to just answer like the first thing that comes to my mind because I can sit here and, and give you like a really intellectual response to that, right? <laughs> but if I'm being honest, yeah. um, the book that is the one book that changed my life and that I keep revisiting um, is called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Um, the author is Dave Eggers, who's brilliant. Um, and he's actually now he writes, he writes lots and lots of books, but he's also written some really great screenplays like movies. I'm a big movie nerd. So, um, this book is mostly autobiographical. Yeah. It was written like in 2000, right? So I've read this and then reread it and then reread it. Uh, essentially this book is the story of his life. Dave Eggers lost both of his parents to cancer within five weeks of each other. Uh, and the book starts out like that. So he found himself essentially an orphan at like, you know, 22 years old. And he was then had to raise his eight-year-old brother. So he and his eight-year-old brother get in his little like Camry or whatever and move from where they were in the um, Midwest and drove across the country to California. And, uh, it's the story of how he raised his brother out on the West coast and tried to like make it. And, um, it's hilarious. It's so funny. It's so raw. Yeah. And, um, it's just really clever. Right. So another one of the books that I have read and reread time and time again is catcher in the rye, JD Salinger. Yeah. Um, it's one that I read, like, you know, I think maybe in college or whatever, and then I revisited it later in life. Um, and if you're from, I'm sure you're familiar, but the, the, the tone of Catcher in the Rye for me seems very mind rambly, right? So it seems like the main character of that book is just everything that you're reading on the page is what he's saying to himself in his head, Yeah, you know? And it seems a little outrageous and a little like disjointed, but for me, I'm like, well, that's what it actually sounds like when I'm thinking, you know, and I related so deeply to that, that tone. And Dave Eggers has that same tone that like, sometimes it's real rambly and he goes off on a tangent and then it's really funny and then it's kind of sad. And, um, it just describes this having to start from nothing and make something of yourself story. Yeah. Having nothing and having to make something of yourself. And it's so raw and it's so honest and it's so effing funny. Um, and that kind of like, it's, you know, kind of my style. So I love that. Um, um I, 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 I love this book. It's so good. I'm actually rereading re it again after, uh, having spoken to you about it. Oh, good. Well, I will grab it and I will read it as well. And then maybe we can have a conversation about it on here. That'd be great. Oh yes. Let's chat about it for sure. I'd love to see what you thought of it. Now I want to be careful because I know we can end up talking for another 30 minutes, but I would, in regard to catch a uh, catch in the ride, I, you know, I didn't. I, I thought it was very well written. Obviously, it was a, it was a very well written book. I was so frustrated, and your 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 perspective on it is very unique. So I appreciated hearing it. I got so frustrated. It just seemed like it seemed to me like the entire book was battling impotence. I mean, he he was running around in New York, you know, going to bars, you know, trying to accomplish the one goal of getting laid, if I remember correctly, because it's been a little while. But he just. It was it was the, kind of like a, a rambling of a madman, and to I, I spoke with somebody else, and apparently the um, uh, the, the main character uh, what's his I can't remember his name. 
Holden Caulfield? Yeah, Holden Caulfield. Apparently he had, it was uh, kind of a, a mental condition that he had, which I didn't realize. So I don't know. There, there are perspective out, perspectives out there that I'm open to hearing, but I got so frustrated with nothing ever being, uh, I don't want to say accomplished, but with nothing ever being fulfilled. Yeah. I don't know. There's no conflict resolution, right? You don't get the things yes. you want at the end. But that's how life effing works. That is a, that's a that's wonderful perspective. Right? So that's the thing that I appreciated about it. Like sometimes the thing that's happening in your head uh, doesn't have a solution right now. Right. But that doesn't make it any less valuable, right? So the thing about Holden Caulfield, mind you, I've reread it again just recently and I liked it a little bit less than okay. I did when I was okay. in college. That's and that's the thing about books, right? They will speak to you in different ways at different places in your life. But yeah. um that's not the point. The point isn't to have a resolution. The point is to see that everything that he's struggling with in his life comes from the relationship that he has with his parents, the relationship that he has with his siblings, the relationship that he has with himself. Yeah. And that's why it seems like the ramblings of a madman. Because how many times have you had a conversation in your head or maybe even said it out loud to someone you're like, oh my God, never mind. That sounds crazy. Right? We're all made to feel times. like we're crazy. For sure. Because we are a little bit. And so that's all that book is doing. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely in right. that rambling, weird uh, trip that he takes, you're like, I can remember the days where I felt so effing lost, and I had no idea where I was supposed to go, where I was supposed to be, and that's exactly what that whole book is. You should. Read. He has no idea where to go. If you haven't read it, which I, I get the sneaking suspicion you might have, uh, "On the Road" by Jack Kerouac. Kerouac. Oh, I, own it. I own it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very yeah. similar book, and I I do enjoy that. So that's okay. That's that's good to know. Yep. Awesome. Well, Lauren, truly, truly, thank you so much for coming on here with me, with for having book conversations with me, and for for sharing your story because I think the the insights you're able to lend, especially the journey you've been on and the the accomplishments that you've found over the last several years, that resonates with people who are struggling, especially now, to really get a firm footing on on what it means to not only be alive but to, to be them. So. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. This has been a real pleasure. Good. Well, we will certainly do it again. Um, but until next time, thank you all so much. One more time, a huge thank you on behalf of myself and hopefully everyone who has taken an hour to listen to Lorne Ladani. I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for coming onto the podcast. If you have interest in what Lorne as said, if you have interest in helping her out and the resources that she expressed needing, or if you're even in the Michigan or Detroit area, please reach out to her. You can find her information in the show notes, or if you're interested in checking out that sweet, sweet website she mentioned, it's LaurenLivinYoga.com. Of course, all of that is in the show notes as well. Last but not least, I want to thank you, everybody who's taken the time to listen to this for sharing your time with me. I don't take that for granted. And as I continue moving forward with this podcast as a solo venture, your support and your listenership means an absolute ton to me. So if there's anything I can do to better serve you, please don't hesitate to let me know on social, in email, or even if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You see what I did there? That would be incredible as well. Thank you all again so much. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.